I'm actually a psychologist as a background. And what I called myself is a psychologist, specialized in tech. So I think I get both worlds together. And something that you get to learn when you study psychology is work-life balance and the importance. So here I'm answering you saying that how do you keep work-life balance going without going loco, as we say in Spain. So what's more important is to be organized for sure. Get targets going on. Uh, if you have any KPIs, put them onto work. Get some sort of software that is going to help you on the way for sure. Also, I think I'm lucky with my product because I get to be the owner of my own product. So if I say stop, we stop. For example, now I'm getting a few days off in Italy and that's something that I need to enjoy in order to disconnect. Hey, Bob WP here, and welcome to Do the Woo, the WooCommerce and WordPress Builder Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Avalara's Next. It's a global tax compliance conference exclusively designed for their tech partners and the developer community. You can learn more about it at avlr.co forward slash next 23. And Weglot, who's known in the WordPress and WooCommerce space as the solution to help builders turn client sites into multilingual shops. Now, I'm going to tell you about both of these sponsors more later in the show. But let's join Jonathan and Tammy as they have a conversation with Jorge Casals from Data Pocket. Of course, we learn about his product, but we learn a lot more about Jorge and his journey, including how he immersed himself into the WordPress community. Welcome to Do the Woo episode 368. I'm your co-host, Jonathan Wold, and I'm joined with my new co-host, Tammy Lister. Tammy, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I, I'm well. I'm enjoying the, the weather in uh, the Pacific Northwest here in the U.S., and how's the U.K. treating you? Uh, winter's great. I think we've moved straight to winter. <laughs> I'm optimistic of uh, summer being in autumn <laughs> at the moment. And uh, our guest today, uh, Jorge Casals, is joining us from Torino. How's the weather there, Jorge? Um, it's actually amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really nice weather in Italy right now. Excellent. Excellent. Well, so glad to have you. So, Jorge... Uh, where, where did WordPress first come into the picture for you? Like what, uh, what did that look like? So, um, I'm actually not a developer as in my, um, let's say my expertise, but when we developed our first product, uh, two and a half years ago called Filkers, we connected with WooCommerce and the way to connect WooCommerce was officially through a plugin. And that's when we found out more about WordPress and the community itself. We were looking for ways to promote the plugin, I remember. And I came across meetup.com. It's something that I was not familiar with. And it was right with COVID time, actually. So meetup.com was the big thing back in the day. And that's when I started to uh, get involved into the community. And yeah, it got me trapped in completely since then. I've been more involved, more, 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 and more. 
until next well, last year that I was one of the organizers for WordCamp Europe. And, and I'm curious, so even though you don't have a development background, many people start in WordPress like as an end user. When did when are you aware of it first coming across your radar as someone like who uses the internet, right? Like do you yeah, did do you have any early experience with just like working in it or were you aware of it? Yeah, I mean it takes me many probably a long time ago I was just a kid and WordPress was like, okay, let's create a blog or let's do a very simple website. And WordPress was, I, I think, the way forward back in the day and it's still uh, nowadays, but that's probably the way I found out about WordPress, just uh, creating basic websites or or even playing with friends on creating a new project. That's the way I, I found out about WordPress. So what led you to get involved in, in organizing? I mean, so you, you had this sort of natural progression, right? Like you got involved in the meetups, uh, a step up until like you were involved in WordCamp Europe last year, if I'm recalling correctly. And like, that's a big step. There's a ton of stuff that's involved in that. Like what inspired you to do that? Yeah, this is actually a conversation that I had with my team last year with WordCamp Europe. Um, I was organizing um, along with the guys from marketing, comms and PR. And they asked me, like, um, are you an organizer in a local meetup? Or uh, they, they told me that's the, usually the first step. And and I said, no, I I went uh, um, directly to WordCamp Europe. And the way I did it was because I attended Porto, uh, WordCamp Europe in Porto. And I got, I got very, very involved into the event. I met um, people from the WordPress team itself. Um, I better connections with the WooCommerce team as well. And they said, hey, Jorge, I know you uh, play with plugins and develop products, but you should get involved somehow. And that's when I I actually applied for WordCamp Asia, I remember, um, to try and be a speaker. Um, but I got rejected. Happens to all of us. Uh, but I applied for WordCamp Europe. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... I mean, it's very, it's very difficult, obviously, to, you know, to have a, a very nice uh, topic and get accepted is a big thing. So I went to yeah, apply as an organizer and I got accepted and greatest experience so far within the WordPress community. Yeah, it, it's interesting. So you've had that experience, uh, which, and that's a, like a lot of folks, yeah, we'll start out with doing local meetup, something else, but you just jump straight into WordCamp. And for you, as someone who's like newer to the community, what was it like from that perspective of also like organizing? Was that, yeah, like what are the things that you noticed? Like what was, what made that, what, what stood out to you about that experience? Well, for me, that's a very good question, Jonathan. Um, so the team that I got involved in, um, I started to understand as we went, as it went with the time that some of them were already on the previous year either organizing or volunteering somehow. So I saw a lot of expertise already going on and I felt like I was a new one, which is perfect because I got uh, to be like the little kid that got uh, taught on how to do things. But the good thing about WordPress, the community and how WordCamp Europe is organized is that you get a lot of uh, meetings going on every week. There's a Slack, like a Slack channel going on all the time. And... All in all, in my experience, I thought it was going to be way easier. But when it comes to the truth, there's a lot of work to do. And and I got told by Matt Ross and Steve, hey, Jorge, 
<laughs> when we get closer to the to the um, to the actual event, you're gonna work harder probably than in your pro- like in your own job, and it's true. I mean, the last weeks are madness. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot going on. Uh, announcing the speakers, um, social media going all the way. Um, there's people giving hard feedback, which is very important to, in the in the PR team. You know, when maybe someone just tweeting something, well, he's not tweeting anymore, but maybe when someone tweets something that is, okay, how should we answer this when it's an actual, you know, direct feedback onto work and Europe organization. So there's a lot of things going on in there that has to be very well managed and lots of work, to be honest. And I think I saw you around, Jonathan, during work and Europe, but we didn't get the chance to, to see each other in person. But yeah. Uh, so... Tammy, one of the things that you and I have talked about is this, uh, I mean, there's so much like when you're volunteering on a project like, like WordPress and then, and then I think word camps are a bit of a microcosm of that. So similar stakes in some ways, like there's a lot of expectations. There's a lot of like, they're representing the project. It's, there's a lot of pressure that often isn't seen. And uh, like Tammy, you, know, you, you were actively involved in Gutenberg for years Mm-hmm. When when you hear someone like like Jorge saying that experience, especially for a newcomer, like how do we talk more about I guess that 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 pressure component of it? Because I think that's very unspoken. Like a lot of people don't aren't aware. You know, there's that old from pressure gets diamonds, but from pressure also cracks people, right? And I think it's both sides, right? Um, people can thrive under that, but also if people aren't. A, it's like an aware, you've got to be aware that there's going to be a pressure to be prepared to thrive. I don't know if I'm kind of saying that correct. So something you said really beautifully was a group of people prepared you for it almost. They were like, hey, this is going to be, this is going to happen to you. So you kind of knew this was going to happen to you. And I think that's it, like preparing people, like um, unexpected pressure, the worst kind of pressure, I think. Um I'm super curious as well because something that I've experienced is my past learnings really came to the front and my past careers and all the things that I knew when I was under that pressure and uh, not just having like one string to my bow and all those kind of like (laughs) phrases that we use. Um, So what from your past skills did you fall back on? What, what, do you think is really useful to have in your kit um, when you are under that kind of pressure? I would love to know. I only talk from my experience on the marketing, communications, and PR team. I know every team does uh, very specific things. Another good thing is that we get to collaborate with the other teams. Uh, there's something called bridge roles that, uh, for example, I was the, uh, the bridge between design and marketing. So I was talking with uh, Lina and then passing over to Steve and back and forth. On my daily basis, I'm more specialized on marketing, growth, uh, business development, and how to grow products. So I I got asked by one of the global leads, uh, Jorge, what do you want to do when it comes to the day? Because we get to do lots of things on the preparing stage, but when it comes to the event, you have to do one specific task. And, And I saw that maybe social media management, social media strategy was maybe the weakest point. So I took that skill onto the event and I took care of it 
um, along with my colleague Kartik. And both of us, we work in uh, back to back on making it possible because I'm telling you that um, the account gets crazy on those days, the, all the social media accounts, especially Twitter, super crazy. So, I mean, I guess one of the skills that I took from my daily job um, or daily, uh, my professional life onto work and Europe was working under pressure for sure and making sure that we delivered um, the best possible uh, with the time and the assets that we had in, in, in hand uh, during the event. Jorge, what I'm curious about, because one of the things that, so one of the things that we talk about uh, in WordPress and one of the general values from a, like an organizational perspective is giving people opportunities to develop new skills and to have experiences that they might not have otherwise. So on the one hand, like you played to existing strengths, right? Which is, which is an important part of like how we bring our values. Like, okay, what are we already, what are we already good at that we can bring to the table? For you, were there any new experiences or any new skills that you feel like you, you were able to develop or, or start opening up the door to in the context of your volunteering? I think um, probably I got to learn all the... Um, so again, it was marketing, comms, and PR all together. They were uh, talking about separating these, but they're now together. Um, throughout the way, so for nine months that we organized the event, I got to learn a bit from PR, which is something that probably, uh, maybe not my weakest point, but something that I was not specialized in. It's true that when it came to the event, I, I was not on the PR side, uh, which maybe next year I, I, I can ask and maybe be more involved because I would love to learn more about it. I think it's a team that is uh, very is very much under pressure more than the social media team. So I got to learn a bit of, about PR. Uh, so I'm answering, I think I'm answering your question here. And hopefully next year, if I get accepted, um, I would love to focus more on the PR side for sure. And had you worked with volunteer organizations previously? Because I think that's a whole thing in and of itself. Like, have you had you had volunteering experience prior to this? Uh, from something that is totally different. When I was 18 year olds in the UK, um, it, there's a, there's an organization called HUK that helps um, well the elderly to maybe, for example, um, teach them how to use Skype. Back in the day, before before Zoom, so yeah, I was teaching a ninety-year-old lady to use Skype, for example. It's interesting you say different because I I kind of feel a volunteer is a volunteer, and you bring your whole skill set. So I think there definitely is something there. I also have a a question that's not always asked: How did you keep yourself healthy and going? during this time? Because I think it's also really important. You have your day job, you have your thing that you're volunteering for. H how do you kind of keep everything like that going at the same time? Because I think it's really, really, it's one of the biggest questions. Like, how can I make this all fit in? Is something someone will always ask. Like, the rewards are definitely there, right? And, but how can they keep everything going? I think that's um, an amazing question, to be honest. Um, <laughs> When I, when people uh, ask me like, Hey, Jorge, how old are you? Or, um, what are you doing with your life? Even my closest friends don't know what I do on, my, on a daily basis. I'm actually a psychologist as a background. And what I called myself is a psychologist specialized in tech. So I think I get both worlds together and something that you get to learn when you study psychology is work-life balance and the importance. So here I'm answering you saying that 
how do you keep work and work life balance going without going local, as we say in Spain. Um, so what's more important is to be organized for sure. Uh, get targets going on. Uh, if you have any KPIs, uh, put them onto work. Get get some sort of software that is going to help you on the way for sure. Also, I think I'm lucky with my product because I get to be the owner of my own product. So if I say stop, we stop. Uh, for example, now I'm getting a few days off in Italy and that's something that I need to enjoy in order to disconnect. Mm. Or I'm curious on the on the KPIs point because in the context of so so the question the context for this the framing is how do you sort of maintain that that balance or make sure that you're in a good spot? And, and I think KPIs are often associated with this like okay we're, there's a lot of pressure we have to perform I have to do all this stuff. But but what I'm kind of intrigued by because that doesn't have to be the case. And I could also see them being a tool for it's like, hey, these are my objectives. I don't need to be doing things outside of this, like within, so within that work context. So it's like, if there are clear KPIs, then, then you know that you're winning or if you're not, and if you're winning, if you're accomplishing what needs to be accomplished, that can be like, you may be the motivation is, hey, I'm going to accomplish what I need to in even less time so that I have more time for other things. How do you think about that? Because when I hear KPIs, I think a lot of people there tends to be this association with just like more and more work. How, how, how do you think approach that? Uh, I was like that before, maybe two years ago, I was like KPIs. Okay. That's a struggle. There's so much to do. I'm not going to uh, get to the object- objectives. Uh, back in January, this very January, we got one of the biggest clients we ever had on the other side of the company. And we got to learn their inside organization and how they work. So the way they work is with the sprints. Uh, they do weekly sprints, they do daily meetings, and and then they well they use Jira, they use Atlassian as as the software with the sprints. And we got to learn that even though an sprint with its KPIs are um, on the table, so the objectives are settled, it doesn't mean that we need to achieve them a hundred percent. So there's going to be a meeting right at the beginning of the week where we put the KPIs or we put the objectives for the sprint going on. And then one at the very end saying, okay, what ha- what has stopped you from not achieving the sprint or the KPIs and what can we improve for the next week? So I think the key to KPIs and the key to overwork is to put expectations to the capabilities of the team, meaning that maybe the first sprint is not the best, but then the second is going to be even better. The third one is going to be perfect. And the fourth one probably is going to be the one that has to be copied over the months. So you know the capabilities of each team, which is very, I think it's very important to set the KPIs to the capabilities of the team. Interesting. And and help us connect that to like the work-life balance piece, because I think this is this is also something that can touch on people's like, okay, I need to overperform. Like people will like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna raise my hand and do a bunch of stuff because like I think it's pretty easy to slip into this like from a leadership perspective as well, of like, okay, let's keep raising the bar, let's keep performing. And people generally don't like protest that to least at least like out loud. <laughs> Like, how do you how do you think about that? I think here we are talking about a um, more like roles inside a team. Um, are you the owner? Are you an employee? 
Are you under pressure to overperform? What's your boss like? That's that's a very important question. Um, is your team really connected? So I think more than answering your question is questions that we need to bring into the table. So am I am I in the correct company? Am I am I overloaded with work or overloaded with something that I cannot achieve or something that I cannot uh, get to? Before, and this is important, before ruining my work-life balance, which is very important to try and and keep it healthy across time. It's not. Some sometimes people ask me, "Is work-life balance a thing of of the present?" And I think it's a thing of the future. I think it's something that you need to look forward to, and something that you need to maintain. If that makes sense, so it's not like okay, I'm okay for one week. No, it's something that you need to maintain across across time i find it really interesting that uh, and forgive me if i'm making a presumption but the lens that you're looking through uh, i definitely can see the psychology lens which um to me is really refreshing um particularly uh, if you talk about like behaviorism and relationships uh, kpi is very aligned to that uh, so I've, i i find that very fascinating what do you think can be brought from those disciplines that we don't bring enough to the work in kind of technology i know that's such a wide question but i i'm very curious as in what discipline from psychology yeah from psychology um you know if someone was saying like hey what should i look what should i start to learn that would really help me in my business practice from that discipline what would you recommend because i know people are always trying to learn wider and and learn from different disciplines and you obviously have knowledge in that discipline well let's see if you agree with me on this one um i think life is about connections and work is about connections too it's true that maybe if you're a freelancer you don't get to have many connections as in okay you connect with your client and and the way, and, and Jonathan probably can tell, uh, the way you talk to your client, the way you express your words, the way you market your words, that's how you connect with your client. And that's how healthy the connection is going to be. But then if we talk about a business or we go, for example, me, when I go to the office and I have, well, I have the employees on one side and I have my uh, other business owners and then we have associates or, or investors the most important thing about psychology and what discipline I can bring onto is more like sociology more than psychology is the importance of connecting with your team, the importance of maintaining those connections very healthy and communication is key. And this is not even psychology anymore. I think communication is key. And the way you communicate with your team is how healthy the work-life balance is going to be and even how the company is going to perform. I think companies that have uh, transparent con um, communication, connections that feel like home, like family, I feel those companies perform way better and they know how to handle the worst times. So obviously companies are not always on the top of the mountain. Sometimes we have uh, the lowest times. And I think when connection is when your connections are strong, the, the, the solutions are better, to be honest. So you have this psychology, sociology background, and and you're looking at that lens, and, and so and we already know. So you're newer to the space, but you've jumped in, 
right? So you, there was like a product motivation. I, I'm hearing a pretty strong like community motivation that sort of grew out of that. Like you, you got to kind of love this stuff to also be willing to like do the work and then want to do it again, right? So are there anything like as you've observed the community uh, and, and you have some a volunteering background of your own, right? Like you've done other things in the past. Is there anything that stands out to you from like a psych, psychological or sociological perspective that's interesting to you about what you see in WordPress? Anything unique about it? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, um, this is something that I speak. Um, for example, in my in my office, when they when they when I tell them, hey, I'm collaborating with the community, and or I'm doing a talk in this meetup, or hey, I'm going to meet up Madrid or meet up Pontevedra, they're like, Jorge, why are you doing this? And Obviously, I'm building connections, but the way you feel in every single event that has to do with WordPress, it hits different. And I always say the same. The community, I think, is the healthiest community I've seen in my life. Uh, the growth of the community is amazing. And I think we stick together and we help each other seriously. And in, in when I got to Athens, I didn't know anyone almost. Maybe I knew a few people from the screen. But I got, I felt so welcome. And I think I'm answering here that the WordPress community feels like home, seriously. It's like a family, but huge, obviously. Um, I think it keeps growing. So I'm happy to see that. The key piece for me, the way that I've best been able to articulate it so far is like there's this it's like shared ownership piece that when I see you come into WordPress and enjoy the benefits of it, I, I feel this like incentive to help you succeed in that like, and, and part of it, it's not even altruistic because I think when you have this like shared ownership piece, it's open source and whether people realize it or not, I think there's this sense that if we help someone else succeed, we're also helping ourselves and we benefit from it. And so I think there's lots of altruism, lots of people who just like, just give generously that, that that's there. That's a part of it. But I, I sus- in my experience so far, the glue, like the, the, the energy behind it is, is rooted in this idea of shared ownership. Uh, which to me is like a psychological thing, right? Which is like, okay, well, if I'm looking <laughs> at this, if I can help Jorge succeed in what he's doing, I'm motivated to do so because I also benefit. I'm curious, do you, do, you, does that, do you align with that? Do you have a different take on it? Like, how do you think about that? Yeah, for example, I when I attended Matt's talk and, uh, at the very end, and I think I, your, your words remind me of Matt's uh, at the end. He always grabs up the event and... And he gives this speech about how WordPress is for everyone. And he always welcome anyone that has any ideas or, or even, even in Athens, we got very big questions onto the table, brought into the table. And again, this feeling of shared ownership was writing the answers saying, okay, we are hearing you. Let's put this into work. That doesn't happen in any community anywhere, for sure. I, I, if, if you go to Facebook, if you go to Google, if you go to Apple or any others, first of all, they don't have open questions. They don't give you the chance for the community to talk about anything. So here is Matt in front of us hearing direct feedback live. So I think that's, that's the live feeling of shared ownership right there. He's telling you, let's work together towards something. You may not have your mindset on global tax compliance, but I'm betting your clients will feel much more at ease knowing you do. So to get on top of all things tax compliance, 
Mark your calendar for September 20th and 21st for Avalara's Next, a conference exclusively designed for their tech partners and the developer community. You will hear from Moo experts like Becca Rice, who shares her wealth of knowledge about building and coding with tax compliance in mind. Plus, hey, you'll have a chance to win a tax-free, of course, tax-free, $500 gift certificate from Amazon. So when you have a free moment, check out our show notes for the link to register for free. Weglot is known as an industry standard in the WordPress space to help builders turn client sites into multilingual shops. And as a supporter of the WooCommerce community, they are not only helping with the language barrier of Woo shops around the world, but they are also global sponsors in the WordPress ecosystem. With this sponsorship, they continue to build long-lasting relationships and make new connections with the community and with you, the Woo Builders. So kudos to Weglop for this larger support to the ecosystem and make sure at the next event you attend to find them and say hi. And you can always learn more about Weglot by simply going to their site, weglot.com. So Tammy, so you you then were like working on the heart of like one of the, the biggest projects in WordPress, right? Like you work on Gutenberg, which is, so if you take this concept of shared ownership, and then you uh, Gutenberg, it's a lot different now than it was early on, but there was a lot of like conflict around. There's a lot of pressure around it. And a lot of people who are like, okay, where's this going? Like this is uh so I'm curious, Tammy, like you, one of the things you and I have talked about is like the benefits and trade-offs of being full-time versus part-time. And part of it's that, that pressure lens. How did you like relate with this concept of like shared ownership when you're working on this thing with all these stakeholders? Yeah. I think it's the bit that resonates with me, particularly as we're having this conversation today, is the communication piece that you're saying. Um, because I think it's we when we're all from different cultures, so we all speak different languages. <laughs> we don't all speak the same language at all. Um, but we're speaking the language of WordPress. Uh so we're speaking in the terminology of that project. Um, when a new thing comes along, it is not speaking in the terminology of that project. So it's, it's not the right peg to fit in the right hole. So that has to then either have the language adopt, bear with me. The language has to be formed around it to fit the existing language. You know, the language has to adapt, like language adapts, right? The English or, or one language doesn't start off being that way. It adapts and grows, you know, um, back, back in the early days, there were maybe 10 words <laughs> and then there were 20 words, you know, that's how lang- communication was formed, right? And uh, communication language has grown and developed. And I think that that's the thing that you have to grow. That, that kind of strikes me that part of what we have, it's not a shared culture because I don't think it is, culture is the wrong word for it. I think it is communication of the project. Um, and when you have that new thing, it does not fit that at all. Um, so I'm really curious because you came, I, I'm presuming you came after all of what we're saying of this newer thing that kind of fitted. So you don't have context of the thing that kind of people now talk about of this event that happened with the new editor. So uh, did were you aware of all of kind of the new editor and this experience or not? 
and the conflict around it. Like there was a lot of controversy early yeah. on with like, hey, we're changing the way. <laughs> there was there was some feelings. Like that's where we're going. <laughs> Um, to be honest, uh, not, not really. I, it's true that over work in Europe, I overheard um, conversations around it. But it's true that I'm not familiar with the conflict itself. So I'm, I'm, I, was, I was hearing you. I'm, I was very curious. It's interesting to get your perspective because I think, yeah, that timing is just about, just about right. Where I would say when you came in is about when the dust was starting to settle. Like there's still, there's always things, there's a lot of stuff, but there was a time where there's discussions of like, we're going to fork this, like we're going to, we're going to bifurcate. Yeah. It was the language of acceptance. I think that's the thing, what you were saying about communication, the language of acceptance had happened. So it was spoken about as if it was part of the project, not as if it was, is it going in the project or is it not going in the project? Um, is it, it, it was part of the project. <laughs> we were well into the phase one. Uh, phase one had shipped. Um, so it is a very different situation that you arrived in. So I'm curious how you feel as we're going into different phases of the project because you're now facing um, a new phase of the editor. So how, how does that, how do you feel from a business perspective about that as well? I mean, it's it's a good question. Um, I'm not trying to avoid the question here, but it's true that our latest product, it's true that Thilkers had to do a lot with, uh, because we developed something for the Gutenberg blocks that um, didn't work out because I think even now the solution doesn't exist. And, and I wish I can bring that onto the table again someday. Uh, but it's true that our latest product, we don't play with the editor really. Or I don't play along with the editor a lot lately, even myself that I have a personal website. But in all honesty, I need to learn more about all this conflict because I'm, I'm really, really interested right now about it. But but yeah, again, our latest product is more like, more like a connector between the world of e-commerce, well, in this case, Woo, and WordPress with design platforms. So I'm more like, um, I'm more like in the state of art kind of thing. Nowadays. So, and let's establish some context here. So, you're working on on Data Pocket for someone who hasn't heard of it. Like, what what is it? Like, what's the what's the problem space that you're focused on solving? Yeah. So, Data Pocket is growing exponentially. It's true that we are right now. We just hired, for example, a new developer that is gonna put some new features which are amazing onto Data Pocket, which I wish to tell soon. Uh, but in a few words, Data Pocket is the connector between e-commerce and design platforms. Um, when I say this, people are like, oh, but that's a dumb you know, digital asset management like Dropbox or Google Drive. And I'm like, no, this is different. We, what we do is we bring you the power of connecting both images, text, prices, and anything that is on your backend onto design platforms in real time. So for example, you are inside of Canva or in Figma or Adobe, and you're actually able to connect your WooCommerce directly. And with just a click or a drag and drop, you can connect um, your prices, um, your images into any template that you might be using. Or And the good thing, which is different to Adam or is different to, to any other digital asset management, is that if you change anything on your backend, so for example, you change the price of your shoe, on WooCommerce is going to change on Canva in real time as well. So we're bringing and what we're solving here is the data custody when you are designing 
and when you're communicating with other designers. So we're trying to solve um, the pathway of data custody to stay always uh, synchronized. So you're you're focused, it sounds like more on like the designer side of the equation, which doesn't usually get as much attention, right? Because part of this in practice is when someone's doing like designing a new e-commerce landing page, et cetera, like they're generally working with like fake data. They'll just input some stuff, right? That there's not really... When I first saw what you were doing previously, I wasn't aware of anything else that's like, yeah, we're going to actually take the live stuff from e-commerce, in this case, Woo, and make it available to designers. Yeah, What what types of feedback have you had from designers that, uh, that have been using it? So that's a very good question. At the beginning, I think designers were like, oh, I don't need this. Um, I prefer using Lauren Ipsum forever, or I prefer providing fake designs to my clients. And then... I when I say fake, I don't I don't say negatively. Um, but when you when you when you provide a, a prototype, they realize that clients prefer to receive a prototype that has to do with their products, with their information, because what they used to do. For example, I'm talking about Figma and landing pages now. They used to deliver Lauren Ibsen with fake images, for example, and the client will receive something that maybe when it came to the day. Picture was horrible, pictures from the products. Uh, pricing was not up to date. Uh, titles were not correct. T- titles were not fitting into the boxes. So why are you delivering a prototype that then is not going to work? So that's on the Figma side. But I, I'm i more focused nowadays on the promotional side of e-commerce, which is something that I think is a, a weakness for many stores that they don't have the ability if they don't hire a designer or if they don't hire someone that maybe they don't, they can not pay at the moment. So I'm talking about SMBs mainly. So you're a store in the middle of nowhere. You have a WooCommerce. Okay, someone did it for you. But now how do you start to sell? How do you gain visibility? So we're working on a project now to empower small and medium businesses to actually, for example, using Canva, which is very easy to use with just a few drag and drops to start creating ads, social media banners, um, creating creatives for the, for the website, something that is very simple. And I may sound right now like, oh, that's very easy. But you will be surprised on how many businesses are using WooCommerce nowadays, but they're not promoting their products. Anyhow. And they're surprised on why are my sales not working? I mean, if there's no promotion, if there's no visibility, no one is going to find you unless unless they find you on the streets. I'm curious. So you you had this initial, um, so you've been, we've been talking about like WordCamps and the WordPress ecosystem broadly. WooCommerce has been like part of your interest from the early times in, right? Are there, what's interesting about WooCommerce is that you have this like inherent sort of commercial interest and people's livelihoods connected to it, right? So at least in my conversations and having been like active in both communities, because it's 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 obviously it's WordPress. There is this unique set of interests when it comes to e-commerce, and and I think people. It's not that there's a higher openness, but there's this when you're talking about something that connects to people's livelihoods in in a in a even more like often like explicitly tangible way in e-commerce there i i found it's an interesting combination of like this open source thinking but also this like embracing of commercial interests what i'm curious about do you 
do you also work in other ecosystems like Shopify, et cetera, or are you just focused on Woo? Yeah, um, that's a good question as well. Um, so Woo is our main focus, mainly because it's um, the easiest to connect. And with a plugin itself, it's uh, very easy. I mean, I wish DataPocket was on the WooCommerce, um, let's say, the, the app store of the, of the actual ecosystem. It would be easier to find. But that's for a later stage or an, another talk. Um, well, we work with many other technologies. It's true that we work with uh, Shopify, BigCommerce, Wix, PrestaShop, Magento. What do you like about WooCommerce? Because it's clear there's a clear difference, right? Like there's a, some, but like what you said, it's easier to integrate with. Uh, maybe what are from your perspective? Because you're building this software as a service solution, right? And you're you're coming into the space. You have the community context. You have a lot more experience than most folks at this point already who'd be coming in. What are some of like the benefits and trade offs that you've seen to like investing and focusing on WooCommerce versus the proprietary uh, other platforms? Yeah, um, I mean the numbers speak by themselves. I think WooCommerce is the way forward for many people in order to give stability. So I feel like WooCommerce is the um, the representation or the um, or the meaning of stability for me is um, an, an, a store that is going to be with you at, le- and at least for medium term. And, and now I need to compare it with the uh, with, uh, sorry about the competitors, which is Shopify, for, of course. For me, Shopify is the way forward if you don't have time or if you want something easy that may not work or, or something that you just uh, invest your time without knowing your objectives. I think Shopify is, okay, maybe it's easier to set up, like, hey, done, Shopify. Okay, you have to pay this, this, and that, and then it's working. And I think maybe WooCommerce, you need more uh, work on it, more stability. Maybe with WooExpress now, something changes here. Um, but again, I, I'm sorry I'm repeating myself, but for me, WooCommerce will be the presentation of stability in the long term. Um, when you see the, the Shopify numbers, they go down as the, um, as the shop goes, uh, as the shop grows. Yeah. In my experience, the, there's something about that tension of ownership. Like when I, for instance, at a Woo meetup, um, when I led the, the meetups back in the day, I was responsible for that, the community space. Uh, I encourage folks like, yeah, shop. We can talk about anything we want to here. Shopify is welcome because at the end of the day, this is a key piece of it. It's like, we want to see people succeed online. And I think it's like, yeah, if a proprietary platform is doing the job for you, that's fantastic. What I want people to do, and I think what we've done successfully in this community space is to is to be aware of the benefits and trade-offs and to make a decision that's best. And so, for instance, someone might start out on a proprietary platform, and that's exactly what they need to do, and and then be in a place to like make that transition. At the same time, there's a lot of opportunity for us in this like open source decentralized space to do things better. Right. Where it's like, okay, uh, how we can learn from sort of what's going on there. So that's cool. Like you're, that's, it's interesting. And I think it's one of the benefits that folks who are in this space can get from talking with someone like yourself, who you see multiple sides, right? You work with big commerce, you work with Shopify, et cetera. And sometimes I think this is part of like why we like to do episodes, like why we like to branch and like have a lot of variety. It's easy to get, get stuck in like one way of thinking if like, if this space is all you know, you can lose the benefit that you'd have by paying attention to what the proprietary platforms are doing. Yep. No, 100%. That's cool. 
hundred percent. So as we, I want to shift gears as we, as we move towards a close, uh, when you think about folks who are building like products in the in the WooCommerce space, they're building for store owners. They're trying to bring more value to it to them. Like, what are some of the I guess what are some of the the guidances that you'd offer from if you take your perspective and the experience you've had in the space so far, and someone's wanting to like invest in and taking it and and growing a product business in the WooCommerce ecosystem, what uh, what guidance would you offer them? I think it's um it's a very tough question. I think. Um, probably it's because we failed. So I know what's wrong with, uh, with what we did and probably I can give advice in here. I think if you're going to be focused on WooCommerce, you need to be careful with the plugin itself. First of all, how are you going to connect with WooCommerce? Are you going to, are you, are you building a SaaS product or are you building a plugin that is going to be open source? Like what, what are you building exactly? And what, what are you solving? Is it already, developed somehow is it on the wordpress.org and maybe you are not seeing it on woocommerce.com so again i think what's more important is the roadmap of your product and your um, objectives because what we felt when we developed filters is okay we got a great product it's going to be on woocommerce.com and i think we need to understand that it's not that easy to get into woocommerce.com uh, officially and if you stay on WordPress.org on the plugin um, directory, you might be shadowed, you might be left alone if you don't do the right marketing, for example, or if you don't do, for example, what you're specialized in, Jonathan, in partnerships. I, and I always follow your advice on grow through partnerships. And I think if you're building something on WooCommerce, and again, I bring that the psychology part, build connections that are going to bring your product in front of the audience, because if not, your product is going to go unnoticed, uh, most likely. So I think it's, it's, I think it's very tough to start a new product on WooCommerce. I think it's difficult. It's a difficult task, but if you solve a, pro- a real problem, then it, hopefully it's going to work out. But again, not by itself, you're going to need help. This is one of the, and I'm, I'm curious, Tammy, for your thoughts on this, this is one of the, like the big benefits and trade-offs of this space because it's open source because we have shared ownership and because it's decentralized like you you uh like we need help from each other right like you can't just sort of come into the space without connecting and have much of a chance because you can have a great product but if people don't know you exist there is no sort of central spot right like you have to kind of figure that out yourself and i think um back in the Yodi times, it was easier to get noticed as well, right? Um, the plugin or any repo was smaller. <laughs> there were less people there. Um, there were less places that were sm- ecosystems around. There, there was less kind of places that one person would go to and then they wouldn't go anywhere else. Even down to like there's a patterns directory and someone would think that that's the only place that patterns ever exist. And it's a small like analogy but that's probably what people would think if it's not in this store or it's not on this host that they go to they probably don't think it exists as a plugin or doesn't don't think it exists because it's not in their sphere of knowledge of what wordpress is wordpress isn't this big thing to a lot of people it's what they have on their hosting panel sometimes so i'm really curious what i mean what just how 
can you advise marketing in this space now? Because it's not just it's not just open source. It's marketing we have to learn from outside as well. And we have to – I'm kind of always thinking, like, what can we learn from product design development from outside? But what can we learn from marketing outside? And what can we learn from – that kind you know your your skill sets that you have and bring them you know we talk about maturing the space how can we mature and look to the future of marketing as well so i one of my colleagues always say i hope i can say this in english there's no favorable wind to those that don't know where they're going Ah. Um, so make sure that you have a roadmap and follow that Roma. Don't go sideways. And I think that's why many, many products um, fail. And marketing, and this is something that people need to know, marketing is not a thing of one week, two weeks, three months. It's a long-term job. It's a, and it's a bet. You need to bet. And it's a long-time bet. And SEO, for example, positioning and uh, making sure that you found the solution for people, it takes a long, long time. Building connections takes a long, long time. Building partnerships takes a long time. So marketing is about uh, being consistent, for sure. And and I mean, I think we don't have time to go deeper into what's marketing right now, because marketing obviously means so many things. But obviously, never leave aside digital marketing. It's important. Uh, make sure your analytics are up to date. Make sure that there's someone in-house that knows about uh, ads, that knows about how to handle um optimization of campaigns and then make sure that in your marketing team you have someone that knows how to build those connections and i think that's the strongest uh, point that i would have with marketing even though it's more of a classic marketing like all days probably more like one-to-one or, or talking to someone or selling your product or with words i think is the way i've seen for example data pocket growing and again it's like jonathan said uh, through the community. And I think by showcasing the product and finding the right people in the in the ecosystem has been the way forward to grow the product through marketing. Obviously, there's, there's so many uh, things that we could talk about marketing in here because marketing is so broad. But again, I'm, I think I'm focusing on, on connections today. Mm. I love it. Jorge, uh, really appreciate you joining us. Appreciate the work that you've been doing in the space. And uh, it's great to see you. Excited to see the products that you're working on, the current and future to continue to grow and looking forward to seeing you in Torino. Uh, If someone wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? So I'm I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, So if you look for my name, I should appear. Um, There's not many people called like me, (laughs) hopefully. Uh, so I think LinkedIn, it will be, we could, we could have a really nice chat over LinkedIn and then on X or Twitter. I don't know even how <laughs> you say it anymore. <laughs> uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm quite active in there. I, I try to be around every day reading a few tweets and so on. So hope probably those two, even email, but I think LinkedIn and, and X or Twitter is, is best. Excellent. Thank you, Jorge, for joining us, and uh, we'll see you at the next WordCamp. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. Hey, Bob WP here again. I'd like to thank Jorge for the insightful conversation, as well as his commitment to the WordPress community. Also, speaking of community, make sure and visit both Avalara's and Weglot's booth 
at WordCamp US next week. And tell them Bob WP sent you. So until the next time, keep on doing the woo.